This is Chapter Three of Some Articles About Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, Youth of Mark Twain, read by John Greenman. Mrs. Sarah K. Bolton, in her capital volume on famous American authors, gives some interesting items on Mr. Clemens' early manhood. When young Clemens was twelve years old, the upright and manly father died, leaving the household without means, as he had lost all by endorsing for friends. He was one of a fine Virginia family, several of whom had been in Congress, and he was also a man of brain and force of character. The mother was a warm-hearted woman, kind to every living creature, with great emotional depths, and unusual felicity in her choice of words, either in speaking or writing. Left with four children, they must needs do their part in the struggle for support. Samuel went to school ostensibly, where, he says, he excelled only in spelling, but loved to spend much of his time upon the river, and so successful was he in getting into the turbid waters that he was dragged out of it nine times before he was fifteen. Evidently it was not his fate to die by drowning. In these early years he tried various methods of earning a livelihood, and finally learned printing in the office of the Hannibal Courier, of which he says in his book of sketches that it had five hundred subscribers, and they paid in cordwood, cabbages, and unmarketable turnips. With a desire to see himself in print, his first articles appeared during a week's absence of the editor. So personal were they that the town was stirred and the paper was in jeopardy. However, it resulted in thirty-three new subscribers, all of whom wished to read what was written about their neighbors, and the journal had the vegetables to show for it, cordwood, cabbages, beans, and unsaleable turnips enough to run the family for two years. After he had been nearly three years on the paper, he made up his mind to run away and see the exposition in New York. He had been earning fifty cents a week, and had saved the necessary funds. Arriving in New York, he had twelve dollars in his pocket, a ten-dollar bill of which sum he had sewed into his coat-sleeve. When the exposition had been duly examined, he found work in John N. Green's printing office. But after two or three months, he met a man from his own town, Hannibal, and fearing that his whereabouts would be reported, he suddenly took his departure for Philadelphia, working on the ledger and elsewhere. While here, from taking the part of a poor boy who was imposed upon by a fireman, he was severely beaten by the latter, so that he resembled Lisbon after the earthquake, he says. Finally he made up his mind that he had experienced enough of the eastern world, and, with his ten dollars still sewed into coat-sleeve, went back to his Missouri home. All these years he and his boy friends had cherished, as he says in Old Times on the Mississippi, published in the Atlantic Monthly for 1875, an ambition to be a steamboat man. We had transient ambitions of other sorts, but they were only transient. When a circus came and went, it left us all burning to become circus clowns. The first Negro minstrel show that came to our section 
left us all suffering to try that kind of life. Now and then we had a hope that, if we lived and were good, God would permit us to be pirates. These ambitions faded out, each in its turn, but the ambition to be a steamboat man always remained. I first wanted to be a cabin boy, so that I could come out with a white apron on and shake a tablecloth over the side where all my old comrades could see me. Later I thought I would rather be a deckhand, who stood on the end of the stage plank with a coil of rope in his hand, because he was particularly conspicuous. But these were only daydreams. They were too heavenly to be contemplated as real possibilities. By and by I ran away. I said I never would come home again till I was a pilot and could come in glory. But somehow I could not manage it. I went meekly aboard a few boats that lay packed together like sardines at the long St. Louis wharf, and very humbly inquired for the pilots, but got only a cold shoulder and short words from mates and clerks. But I was ashamed to go home. I was in Cincinnati, and I set to work to map out a new career. I had been reading about the recent explorations of the river Amazon by an expedition sent out by our government. It was said that the expedition, owing to difficulties, had not thoroughly explored a part of the country lying about the headwaters some four thousand miles from the mouth of the river. It was only about fifteen hundred miles from Cincinnati to New Orleans, where I could doubtless get a ship. I had thirty dollars left. I would go on and complete the exploration of the Amazon. I packed my valise and took passage on an ancient tub called the Paul Jones for New Orleans. For the sum of sixteen dollars I had the scarred and tarnished splendors of her main saloon, principally to myself, for she was not a creature to attract the eye of wiser travelers. When we presently got under way and went poking down the broad Ohio, I became a new being and the subject of my own admiration. I was a traveler. A word had never tasted so good in my mouth before. I kept my hat off all the time and stayed where the wind and the sun could strike me because I wanted to get a bronzed and weather-beaten look of an old traveler. Before the second day was half gone, I experienced a joy which filled me with the purest gratitude, for I saw that the skin had begun to blister and peel off my neck and face. I wished that the boys and girls at home could see me now. After two weeks the Paul Jones reached New Orleans, and the young traveler discovered two things. One was that a vessel would not be likely to sail for the mouth of the Amazon under ten or twelve years, and the other was that the nine or ten dollars still left in my pocket would not suffice for so imposing an exploration as I had planned, even if I could afford to wait for a ship. Therefore it followed that I must contrive a new career. The Paul Jones was now bound for St. Louis. 
I planned a siege against my pilot, and at the end of three hard days he surrendered. He agreed to teach me the Mississippi River from New Orleans to St. Louis for five hundred dollars, payable out of the first wages I should receive after graduating. I entered upon the small enterprise of learning twelve or thirteen hundred miles of the great Mississippi River with the easy confidence of my time of life. If I had really known what I was about to require of my faculties, I should not have had the courage to begin. The work proved hard and discouraging for the youth, but he finally reached the desired position of pilot and had the proud satisfaction of receiving two hundred and fifty dollars per month. Here he remained for five years, till he was twenty-six, when the growth of railroads and the Civil War made piloting unprofitable. End of Youth of Mark Twain Read by John Greenman